the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed it is, and hour number two is now underway. Good morning, once again, eight minutes past ten o'clock. It is a Thursday, the 23rd morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan. Great stuff last half hour, and I expect great things this half hour because he constantly delivers great things. He is Dr. Everett Piper, our regular Thursday guest. Dr. Piper is a past university president. Uh, president. He is a current best-selling author. He is also a current columnist for the Washington Times and a radio podcast host in Oklahoma. Dr. Piper, good morning. Good to have you back. Good morning, Bob. Great to be on. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Piper, before we get into your op-ed for the Washington Times this week and a couple of other stories, I just have to get your reaction to the ACLU. I I, I sent this to you, and I'm sure you saw it. The ACLU tweeted the following yesterday. No, correction. This was Saturday. I found it yesterday. My bad. With Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, we lost a champion for abortion and gender equality. And on the anniversary of her death, the fight to protect abortion access is even more urgent than ever. Then they included a quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but a modified one. The decision whether or not to bear a child is central to a woman's life, to her well-being and dignity. When the government controls that decision for women, they are uh, treated are being treated as less than a fully adult human, fully adult human responsible for her own choices. They replaced woman and her and she pronouns with person, people, and they and their pronouns, Dr. Piper, obviously to be trans-inclusive, because as we know, men are able to give birth or have their births uh, or their pregnancies terminated, just like women, right? Exactly. 
You know, C.S. Lewis wrote a book that everyone listening right now should read. It's very short. It's titled The Abolition of Man. And he argued that what we were doing back in the 40s and 50s, when he was so prominent and prolific in his writing, was abolishing the very concept of what it means to be a man. Now, what he meant was the inclusive nature of man, that God had created man in his own image, male and female, he created them. And Lewis was arguing that our ideas, our arrogance, our deconstruction of what it means to be a human being is resulting in the actual abolition of the human being. And I'm going to paraphrase C.S. Lewis right now. Rather than the abolition of man, we now have the abolition of women. If everyone is a woman, then no one is a woman. If anyone and everyone can claim, can raise their hand and say, I'm a female, I'm a woman, regardless of the biological reality that we see in the mirror, if everyone's a woman, then no one's a woman, and therefore no women, real women, will be able to claim their rights, will be able to claim their bathrooms, their showers, their sports, their scholarships, their dignity is stolen, and their identity is stolen if everyone can raise their hand, regardless of the facts before them, and say, I'm a female. And that's what you see right now. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a champion of women, has now been dumbed down and abolished. They just abolished Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She doesn't exist any longer. Her quotes don't exist any longer. Her ideas don't exist any longer because they just, they just uh, uh, butchered, butchered. And I don't agree with her defense of abortion, but they right. just butchered the very concept of the female in that manipulation of Ginsburg's words. I think your choice of words there is very apropos, because we are talking about their desire to butcher babies, quite literally to cut them apart limb by limb. Uh, so why not butcher the language with which uh, they used to support that? So uh, it makes perfect sense to me. All right, Dr. Piper, uh, let's get into your uh, your op-ed from this past Sunday. Liberal tolerance is a lie. And boy, I'll tell you what it is. It's an oxymoron, I think. Liberal and liberals and tolerance do not go together. It is the one political ideology, liberalism or leftism, that that is wholly intolerant uh, of any views other than their own. That's where the cancellation, uh, you know, of, of so many uh, moderates and conservatives began with their intolerance for viewpoints other than their own. You put a whole column together on this. Give us more. Well, essentially, I'm telling the story in this article that I think I've shared with you before on this show. I was invited on The Factor with Bill O'Reilly once. We were talking about Indiana's RIFRA, uh, Restoring Religious Freedom Act, and I, of course, was defending it. O'Reilly probably agreed with me, but playing the devil's advocate, he challenged me a bit and said, well, what about tolerance? Shouldn't we be tolerant in our laws? And I said, Mr. O'Reilly, did you send your wife an I tolerate you card on your anniversary? And there was silence, and I said, you probably didn't because it wouldn't have ended very well. And the reason is this. Tolerance is an inferior virtue. Tolerance says, I don't like you. I certainly don't love you. I'll just tolerate you. Go do what you want. But love, Christian charity, is a superior virtue. It says, I love you enough. I care about you enough. I care a great deal, enough to stand in your way and tell you to stop if you're doing something harmful. 
Tolerance is inferior. Love is superior. And I made that argument in this column, and here's something I'm not sure you're aware of, Bob. I actually had a former candidate for the governor's for the gubernatorial office of Oklahoma challenged me on that article and say that it was hateful. What is wrong with you? Wait, 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 wait. hold on. Pro- hold on. Promoting the concept of love as being superior to tolerance is hate? Did I hear that right? Yes. Be- because this, this for- he could be the governor of Oklahoma, the reddest of red states, had he won. And he is stupid enough. His mind is addled and dull enough. He's been brainwashed so much by this ideology of tolerance being the maximum virtue of anything in our culture that he doesn't recognize he's sawing off the very branch upon which he sits when he challenges me for writing an article that is against tolerance and equating it with hate. This is asinine. This is absurd. And this is where we are with the GO. If that's where the GOP is and its leadership, then we are in deep trouble. Uh, I want to just quote a line from your uh, from your column that I found important. The bottom line, in fact, is that tolerance of these smart folks is dangerous. It's unstable. It is constantly blown around by the winds of political fads. It is wielded by those who seek power. It refuses to allow for discussion. It has no consistent standard, and its target is always moving. It refuses to allow anyone to challenge what the oligarchs declare to be popular. Isn't that really the issue here, is tolerating views on ever-changing political winds, sometimes cultural wins, ideological wins, and when they change, uh, you know, th- that's the difference, I guess, between tolerance and love. Love survives, especially biblical love, which is what you, you, you know, go to great lengths to promote. Um, it survives any and all shifts in opinions and in wins. It's real. It is forever. It is not something that is subject to, uh, this is how, you know, uh, a certain circumstance may, may affect me and my ability to love. Absolutely. Biblical love, biblical principles, the Bible. Now, I'm a Christian. I don't apologize to anybody for answering questions based on biblical Christianity, because that's who I am. Biblical Christianity drives its stake into the ground, and it's there. It's stable. You can always go back to a true north. You have a compass that allows you to know where you're going. But a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We're told that in Scripture. Intolerance is double-minded because it always moves. Even when you have a gubernatorial candidate for the GOP in Oklahoma who can't understand the immutable, unchangeable nature of biblical charity, of love, that's the rock-solid foundation upon which we stand for all civil rights. And all law is grounded in that. And this guy is allowing it to be moved around because he wants to worship tolerance rather than worship the God of love. Dr. Everett Piper's our, Piper is our guest. We're going to move from love to science after our time out here. We're going to move from the Bible to science. And uh, who's to say the two can't coexist? Well, I'm to say that if we can't define what science really is, and the left continues to redefine it to fit their own political agenda. I'll talk about that and let Dr. Piper explain his view right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. The free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay. 
Okay, 1020, we continue now with Dr. Everett Piper, as we do each and every Thursday. Dr. Piper, Victor Davis Hanson, uh, I think he's one of the smartest pundits and intellectuals working in, uh, in, uh, in uh, punditry or in politics today, quite frankly. He wrote a piece for the Western Journal that you read and you forwarded to me and I read and uh, could not agree more vociferously. It's fantastic. Um, the left is killing science. Now, the, the frustrating part about this is the left is claiming to have science on their side. The left is claiming uh, that vaccines are the, the, the proven antidote to COVID-19 and it's going to make this entire pandemic go away uh, and that uh, masking is going to be a key part in making sure that the virus isn't spread. Now, Dr. Piper, countless numbers of studies have been done, controlled studies have been done, uh, not in clinical laboratory settings where they can pretty much hermetically seal uh, a mask to a dummy's face and then blow smoke to see if it goes in or out. We're talking about in real-world circumstances. That countless numbers of studies have been done. Masks don't stop coronavirus. Masks do not limit the particles going in and out uh, of the coronavirus. It is, it is a joke. Why does the left continue to be... To, to have the reputation as being the party of science when they are the party that completely ignores any study, any scientific study that runs counter to their agenda. Well, it's arrogance. And I, I would argue it's the, it's like, let's refer to scripture again. Um, it, Romans 1, the Apostle Paul warns the Church of Rome, the early church in the first century, that when you start worshiping the created rather than the creator, you're given over to a reprobate mind a deluded mind, a mind that can't think its way out of a paper bag any longer. And don't we see that today? The left worships what they call science, but it's really a fake religion. It's scientism rather than science, and C.S. Lewis warned of that, too. When you start worshiping the scientist, when you start worshiping him as your high priest, you're actually creating a new religion because he's fallible. He doesn't know all the answers. Science is a process in search of truth. It's not claiming that you, as the elite, the oligarch, the smart guy in the room, have all the answers. That's not science. And Anthony Fauci is now our high priest of scientism. If he says wear a mask, we bow in subservience and we give our hearts, minds, and souls to the great, grand, and glorious Anthony Fauci because he said so? That's crazy. And you ignore the, the, the studies from Japan, from Oxford, from Cambridge, from our own country in the New England Journal of Medicine and the Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit. We ignore all the reality before us because all of those studies tell us that that masks don't work. They don't work to stop this thing. But the great and grand and glorious Anthony Fauci, his high and mighty high priest of scientism, says, bow, so we do? That's science? That is science-denying religion is what it is. For those who think that you're being, you know, melodramatic about that or over the top, um, you're not. In June of this year, Anthony Fauci, in an interview, I believe it was with Chuck Todd, declared that he is science. He is the personification of science. He said to deny me is to deny the science. 
Now, I, I'm, again, I'm not exaggerating on that. When he declares that what he says is the science, I mean, you talk about scientism being a religion. He is essentially saying, I am the god of scientism. Worship me. I am the, uh, the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega, science begins and ends with what I say it does. That's, that's impossible to believe this man is still employed, and it's even more impossible to think that there are millions of Americans, Dr. Piper, who still trust him. I, I know, and what frustrates me, Bob, is the church with a capital C. And I don't care what denomination we're talking about right now. I don't think if it, I don't care if it's Catholic or Charismatic that we're talking about right now, or Anglican or Anabaptist. It doesn't matter. Church leaders have bowed in subservience to this man, and he just said to deny me is to deny science. I mean, it's almost like he's stealing the words of Christ. To deny me is to deny God. I mean, this man has put himself as the judge and jury over all of our daily lives, and the Church has said nothing. Where are our Church leaders saying, wait a second here, we're not going to do this. You are not God. Yeah, and and to be clear, I want to give that because I was paraphrasing him, which I said I don't want to I don't want to uh, uh, you know be accused of, of of false statements here. So his direct statement to Chuck Todd was, "A lot of what you're seeing as attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science because all of the things I have spoken about from the very beginning have been fundamentally based on science." So that's okay. his declarative: "I am science." You attack me, you attack science itself. Okay, so just take those exact words within that quote and change it from to deny me <laughs> is to deny the Father. To deny the Father. In other right. words, he's speaking as if he is a Messiah for this new religion of science. Take, that, take the word science out and put in the Father, and it sounds exactly like Jesus, doesn't it? Totally agree. It absolutely does, and I don't think there can be any uh, disputing that. And I would love for somebody to call him out on that and say, "What are you saying? Is this intentional, or is this just you know, uh, you know?" Because we've, you know, I, I speak on the air for a living. There have been occasions over 24 years where I've said something I didn't mean, or it came out the wrong way on the radio. Maybe in an interview, he could clarify that and say, "I didn't mean it that way, and I didn't mean it to sound that way." But until somebody does, that's exactly how I see it. Uh, the way you just described it, Doctor Piper. Okay, uh, I want to get into this last story. This is a local story. We covered it in some depth here, but uh, uh, you obviously have seen it now, so I want to talk uh, about it with you. In Hudson, Ohio, Hudson High School, which is a, a re- relatively affluent uh, uh, suburb uh, here in, in uh, uh, east of Cleveland, Ohio, um, at Hudson High School, there was an English teacher, or is an English teacher, I shouldn't say was, she's still on the job to my knowledge, who was using teaching, uh, it was a college credit course, but using um, a book of writing prompts. Uh, that included a whole bunch of highly inappropriate prompts for students to write about. Things like, write an X-rated Disney scene. Uh, write a sex scene that you wouldn't let your mother read. Then rewrite that scene from the above uh, that you would let your mom read. Drink a beer. Describe the taste. Describe your favorite part of a man's body using only verbs. I mean, there are all kinds of extraordinarily inappropriate things here. The mayor of Hudson went to the school board after parents brought this to the attention of the school board and said, I have talked to a judge. This is his quote. I have ta- Paraphrasing the quote. I have talked to a judge, and you have two choices, he told the five-member school board. Resign now or face charges for promoting child pornography, or at least allowing child pornography to be pushed in his schools. Dr. Piper, take it away. 
All right, I just covered this on my own show here this morning in Oklahoma. My show's called The Rebellion, by the way. If anybody wants to go Google it, it's podcast. Sorry yes. for that promo. Um, but it, look, if you, if you think it was just at Hudson, whatever the school district is in Ohio, um, it's not. You had it in your backyard, Bob, right there. Um, but it's across the nation. Virginia, mothers are rising up and going to school board meetings and reading out of the books that the kids are bringing home. And I, am not, I can't quote it on your show because you probably won't have me back on, but they're giving graphic descriptions of oral sex. They're giving graphic descriptions in these books. They're just reading out of the books, and they're being cut off in school board meetings because of the graphic nature of what they're reading. They're giving graphic descriptions of anal sex. They're giving graphic descriptions of rape, juvenile rape. This is going on in school after school district in Texas in Virginia, in Ohio. And my conclusion here in Oklahoma was, if you think it's just in those states, look at Norman, Oklahoma, at the school library where they have books on transgender, on queering yourself, and everything else with regard to the brainwashing. And I'm going to call it this, the intentional rape of your kids' mind, heart, and soul, because they're forcing themselves onto the mind, heart, and soul of your kids through this indoctrination. That is a literal rape of the mind of your child, and you better rise up and do something about it, expose it, and demand that it stop, or your kids are lost. You know, I think we can summarize this as we wrap here, Dr. Piper, with what you said uh, toward the beginning of that commentary. They are being cut off at the school board meetings from reading aloud the things that the kids are being told to read, or at least being allowed to read, because of the wholly inappropriate nature of the subject matter. So the content is too inappropriate to be read aloud at a public school board meeting, but it is something they are encouraging and, in fact, in some cases, requiring children to read in the privacy of their own bedrooms or wherever it is that they do their schoolwork, Dr. Piper. That, if, if anything spells out the hypocrisy of this, more than that, I don't know what it is. Oh, you're right. And like I said, if you or I were to start reading those quotes out of those books, yeah. that are being given to uh, junior high kids, uh, I don't know what your radio station would do. They might they might say, don't have Piper back on again. Yeah, yeah, or the FCC may say so and say, you know what, here's a warning, don't ever do that again. Really? But you're telling my kids to read it in our taxpayer-funded public schools. It's simply incredible. Dr. Piper, thank you for the illuminating insights. We appreciate it as always, sir. We'll talk soon. Yep. All right. Dr. Everett Piper joining us. It's 1030. We'll get news now and on the other side. Let's wade back into the Senate primary on the Republican side to replace Rob Portman. This time we'll talk to J.D. Vance. Coming up, he's got a big endorsement he just received this week. I'm going to ask him about it coming up on AM 1420. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer 
Okay, 1037, we continue now. Thanks again to Dr. Everett Piper. Terrific stuff. Thanks to Jim Jordan, our Ohio 4th Congressional District Representative. Great stuff from him, as always. And I told you we were loaded for bear today, and we are. Now, we now wade back into the uh, GOP primary race to replace Rob Portman. Uh, it's a very crowded field that got more crowded this week when Matt Dolan, Ohio Senator Matt Dolan, uh, announced his candidacy. And joining us now to talk about this race and more, including a pretty important endorsement that he just picked up, is candidate J.D. Vance. Joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. J.D., good to have you back here in Cleveland. How are you? Thanks for having me, Bob. Good to be with you. It's a pleasure. Um, what are you thinking of uh, more people entering this race? I won't call it at the late stages. It is still September, but Matt Dolan getting in just made the uh, crowded field even more crowded. Thoughts on that? You know, it's, it's a crowded field, but I, I do think competition is going to make us stronger. And I remember in the 2016 primary, um, you know, there were, what, 20 people running? But I think that at the end of the day, it was good. It was good for the party to actually go through that cycle and I think it'll be good for us. And at the end of the day, uh, we're going to have a Republican nominee that I think people are proud of. I think it'll be me, and we're going to win the race. So I, I, I'm not too worried about it. I just think it's the nature of politics that people want to want to serve their country. That's a good thing. When you got into this, uh, J.D. Vance, uh, you and I spoke, and I've seen you do many interviews in a lot of different forums, and you're always being asked about the Trump question and your previous criticism. People questioned your conservative uh, bona fides, if you will. Uh, a lot of people did. And you're picking up some serious conservative uh, endorsements here. We talked about banks, and now uh, Charlie Kirk is another one. Uh, Josh Hawley, and now here comes Charlie Kirk, uh, one of the leaders of the youth conservative, or rather the conservative youth movement with Turning Point USA. Uh, tell me how that endorsement came about. What's your relationship with Charlie Kirk? How did this happen? You know, we started, Charlie and I started talking about a year or so ago, just about, you know, really big substantive questions. Like, what does it mean for conservatism to serve the middle class? How do we actually fight back against China stealing our manufacturing jobs? And, and really the thing that Charlie has been a leader on, and I've tried to be a leader on, is how do we deinstitutionalize the left? How do we take the left from owning every institution, from the private sector, big businesses, to the media, to the academy? And how do we actually give conservatives a voice at the table and a real stake in this country? And so, you know, we've just been talking about big ideas for a long time. And you may know Charlie's a pretty big thinker. He likes to think about, you know, conservative philosophy and how it applies to the problems of the day. And I think when I decided to jump in the race, you know, he was one of the people I relied on for counsel. And I was, I was proud to get, get his endorsement. And obviously, you know, same thing for Josh Hawley. I think he's a guy who's been thinking, like, how do we turn this energy in our movement to actually fight big tech successfully? Um, and, you know, that's how I got hooked up with Josh, just talking about that question. And so, you know, it's, it's good. You develop these relationships as you, as you play a role in the movement. And obviously I'm trying to play a bigger role here, but I'm glad to have the support of those guys. You know, at the risk of redundancy, because you and I have talked about your connection to big tech, you know, the, the Peter Thiel support, uh, you know, his spot on the board at Facebook and, you know, your, your, uh, connections there. But for those who haven't heard you really address that, uh, JD Vance, tell us, tell us how you intend to attack big tech and their hold on, quite frankly, uh, information. They literally decide who gets to, to, to give and receive information, how it is prepared and packaged, what it is covered up by, what is shadow banned, et cetera. How do you, from a history of having, uh, strong ties to Silicon Valley, how do you intend to attack Silicon Valley? You know, I, I think it helps to know how the how the industry works a little bit. And, you know, Peter Thiel is a big supporter of mine. He's also been, you know, from a support of Trump in 2016, really the only big GOP donor to get behind the president. 
uh, even I remember him busting my chops a little bit about not being an early supporter of the president, uh, to everything that he's done since then. I think he's been a big advocate for eliminating the Silicon Valley stranglehold over our economy and over our whole society. So I think his support is a, is a good thing, and I think it's good that you have, have the support of people who are coming uh, from that background who know the industry needs to be broken up that are, that are supporting me, from Peter to Josh Hawley. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I, I think there are two basic things that we need to do here. Uh, first, we have to ensure that conservatives actually have a stake at the table. Um, you know, we, we, are, we are in a situation where these companies are able, even though they're effectively common carriers, they control public discourse, where they're discriminating actively against conservatives. You know, Google is presenting search results that make conservatives look bad, that make progressives look good. Uh, so we have to change that, and I think that's just a pretty straightforward regulatory change. Then the second thing is I really worry that these companies are just too big and just too powerful. Unless you break them up, unless you make them smaller and create some more market competition, you're ultimately going to have four or five companies control the flow of information in this society, uh, and that's, that's unacceptable. We learned that the hard way when Trump was, was banned from Twitter and Facebook. I mean, how crazy was that? I still think that our society hasn't come to grips with the fact that you have multinational corporations in bed with the Chinese who silence the duly elected sitting president of the United States. Like, that can't happen. If it does, we're not a real country. I completely concur. That It still blows my mind, and a lot of people point because of recent events to the fact that the Taliban and their spokesperson still has access to Twitter and can reach inter- people internationally through that massive platform, and the former president of the United States can't. Uh, that's that's simply an impossibility, but that's what we're dealing with when it comes to uh, to, to the big tech oligarchs. Um, J.D., I want to ask about a few issues. One of the members of your team actually reached out to me and said you had some thoughts on the the viral video of a child looks that looked to be about a two-year-old in pre, pre a preschool or daycare uh, being forced to wear a mask, screaming and pulling it off and continually having it strapped back on by the, the teacher there trying to cheer for him and get him to wear these masks. Um, let's take that and let's add that to the extraordinary hypocrisy we have seen from the left just in recent days with Mayor London Breed of San Francisco who issued an indoor masking uh, order for everybody in public indoor settings at a bar, at a party, dancing mask-free, having a good time, posing for pictures mask-free. She said, by the way, that that order was for everybody vaccinated and unvaccinated, yet when she was busted, she said, well, I'm perfectly vaccinated, so you know it was no big deal. My mask was on the table as was my drink i got up to dance because i was feeling the spirit well jd vance are we allowed are we allowed to feel the spirit when the right song comes on can we ignore the laws that are put in by our betters uh the way they do well i think we should uh whenever we can we should try to ignore these rules and we should try to ignore these regulations i mean mean, look all of us have had um you know we've learned things about the pandemic we've learned things about the cost of the lockdowns the shutdowns and so forth but I, I really think the, the great takeaway of the last 18 months is that we have done incredible damage to our children. Um, and it, it is one of those things where it makes me equal parts heartbroken and enraged. Uh, I, you know, I, I know the video that you're referencing, but I've seen this in other contexts. Like the idea that we should be masking our children is really gross. And one, we know it doesn't have any effect. We know it's not slowing the spread of coronavirus. Two, we know that it's affecting our kids socially. And three, I think that it's creating this hidden sense in our children that other children are basically disease vectors. They see them not as future friends, classmates. They see them as people who are carrying a disease. And that is just a really deranged thing that we're doing to our kids. I've got a four-year-old, an 18-month-old. My four-year-old just started school. 
I don't like this masking of children. I think it's really, really gross. And yeah, you, you compound it on top of the fact that our leaders who are issuing these mandates just totally ignore them. I mean, you, you do not have a real constitutional republic if the leaders who are issuing rules and orders don't actually have to follow them. That's called an oligarchy. That's a rule by the few people who don't have to follow their own orders, don't have to follow their own regulations. And, and it's just, look, this, this is the, like the end of America if we let this stuff happen. If we let our children be muzzled in school indefinitely and we allow our leaders to just ignore their own orders without any consequences, what kind of a country do we really have? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I completely agree. We are talking with J.D. Vance. He's an Ohio Senate candidate. Um, and just to buttress the point you made about it not working, in, in uh, uber-liberal Oregon, the governor there, Kate Brown, in addition to the indoor mask, uh, mask mandate, you know, she decided it's still too pervasive here, coronavirus is, so you have to do it outdoors, too. One month ago, on August 24th, she instituted an outdoor mask mandate in the state of Oregon. And in the one month since October, uh, I mean, uh, August 24th, COVID-19 cases in that state have increased 73%. Um, masks simply do not work. Now, I want to use that, J.D., to take you into the story at the border. Um, we have some 16, I think two days ago, it reached its peak of some 16,000 um, supposedly Haitian migrants. Even though they're not coming from Haiti mostly, they're coming from South America, from Central America, up through Mexico, and they're sitting under a bridge waiting to be processed into the United States. Now, I wouldn't want you to address this on two fronts. Number one, the fact that they're there and they're being processed into the United States, being flown via ice air to numerous American cities, uh, and being allowed just to come in because, uh, you know, because the Biden administration wants to. I want you to address that, JD, but then also the fact that none of these people have to be, uh, uh, proved that they have the COVID vaccine. Uh, that the, the vaccine passport that is mandatory for American citizens in many American cities and the shot that is mandatory by, go, or by, uh, uh, Herr Biden, uh, for anybody who works for a company with a hundred people or more. In other words, a hundred million working Americans. Why don't, yep. if this is science, the immigrants into this country have to live by the same standards that the citizens of this country do? Well, because it's not about science, as you know, Bob, it's about power. And it's about giving non-citizens who are coming across the border illegally more rights than U.S. citizens. It's totally unacceptable. Look, at the, at the end of the day, one of the most fundamental rights of a national community of citizens, one of the most fundamental rights of a country, is to be able to determine who comes into your country, when they come in, and how they come in. And what the Biden folks are doing is taking that right away from American citizens. They did not run on the idea that they would open our southern border. You talk to some of these Haitians, I've seen media reports of it, where they say the reason they're coming is because Joe Biden effectively opened the border. He's welcoming them in. Well, that is totally unacceptable. We did not consent to this as American citizens to have our country fundamentally transformed. Of course, you know, these people will require resources. These people will require uh, things from our national community. They will change the makeup of the electorate. And importantly, most importantly, they'll compete with Americans for jobs at a time when a lot of folks are really struggling. This doesn't make any sense. But again, this is what you have when you have a leadership that cares less about its own citizens and more about people who come from outside the country. And unfortunately, that's what we have in this country. I I just, you know, it just makes my blood boil that my little boy, four years old, has to wear a mask to go to school But some random Haitian who comes from outside the country, who violates our laws, has more freedom of movement inside of this country than my own son. It's just really gross stuff. 
Yeah, it it really is. And the hypocrisy is very thick and very deep here. Obviously, um, you know, and and this is what we get from the Biden administration. My my big picture question for you about this, JD Vance, is to what end are they establishing these policies? To what end are they trying to say we care about the health of the nation? That's why we want you to be vaccinated, but we don't care enough about it uh, to make these immigrants uh, who are coming to this country be vaccinated. What is their end game? Can you can you picture that yet? Have you have you been able to ferret that out? You know, I don't know the answer, but here's my fear. My fear is that they're effectively creating a a biomedical security state, basically tyranny through public health bureaucracy. Because if you think about the logic of these orders, right, you can't go certain places, you can't travel interstate, you can't even work at a job without doing the things the public health bureaucracy wants you to do, in this case, take the vaccine. If you follow that logic, that principle, it would allow the CDC to prevent you from living a normal life or doing anything, right? The CDC doesn't want you to drink too much. It doesn't want you to eat too much fried chicken. There are a lot of things that are not optimally healthy. And I think if we follow this legal principle, this constitutional, or I should say anti-constitutional principle, what it would basically mean is that we live in a country that's governed not by the people, but it's governed by people like Dr. Fauci. And that, of course, is not a country I think any of us actually want to live in. Absolutely not, and and that's that's the half of the question. You know, when I asked about the big picture, you you chose the um, uh, you know the health aspect or or what they're calling the health aspect. But what about the immigration aspect? What about the fact that vaccine or no vaccine, that these tens of thousands of I mean, I mean, Jim Jordan is, does a great job of chronicling and tracking this. He's talked about how April we had the record number of border encounters until May, and then until June each month this entire spring into summer we have had a new record being set with over two hundred thousand more encounters every month and now this haitian caravan is obviously all of that on steroids so what's the end game with that is it as simple as trying to create uh, a pathway to citizenship for hundreds of thousands and eventually millions of people who would eventually vote democrat is that what it is is it a voting ploy uh, i i unfortunately think that's exactly what it is i think i think it's a voting ploy but it's also about economic power right so the voting ploy is this if you change the composition of this country if you change who is an american You change who wins elections. You change who controls the country. If you create 10 million new citizens, let's say 7 or 8 million of them vote for the Democrats, then Republicans will never win another national election in this country. So I think first they are trying to permanently alter the composition of the country so that they consolidate political power. That's the first and most important thing. I also think at the end of the day, if you look at the donors of the Democrats, if you look at the leaders of some of our biggest multinational corporations, they love nonstop cheap labor. They don't want to hire Americans because Americans make certain demands. Americans are patriotic. They're not as willing to listen to these vaccine mandates, for example. Uh, but new citizens who are effectively legalized through fiat, through some amnesty order, those citizens are a lot easier to control, and they're, they're, they're going to undercut American wages at the end of the day. So if you look at you know Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, has put, I believe, $400 million dollars into a pro-illegal immigration program called Forward.us. You can see that these people, they want the electoral benefit, but they also want to undercut the economic power of middle-class American workers. And I think both of those things are going on, unfortunately, at the same time. 
J.D. Vance is my guest. J.D. is a candidate for the uh, U.S. Senate seat currently held by the outgoing Rob Portman. Let's uh, come full circle. I started the interview talking about your endorsement from Charlie Kirk and some other high-profile conservatives. So last question is about the race again. How do you feel about the polling numbers? I continue to see numbers that show Josh Mandel out with a pretty significant lead over everybody else in the field. Do you see the needle moving, or what is your plan to make that needle move, J.D. Vance? Yeah, we see the needle moving pretty aggressively. I mean, even in Josh's numbers, or Mandel's numbers, which I think are obviously biased a little bit because they're his numbers, uh, the candidate you see gaining the most is me. And the candidates, you know, everybody else seems to be losing steam. In our own numbers and the numbers that I've seen, look, I think it's basically a two-person race. Uh, I think other candidates may make noise. Obviously, it's a long it's a long road. But I actually feel really good, man. I feel like the numbers are really moving in our direction. And even though, you know, if you live by the polling, you die by the polling, it's an important metric. The thing that I care most about is just volunteer engagement. Like how many people are coming to our events? How many people are signing up to work for us? Um, that to me is the most impressive metric. So look, it's early and uh, we've got to keep the momentum. But right now I feel like things are going in a direction that we're going to win this thing. All right. J.D. Vance, I appreciate that. Of course, I would expect nothing less. You don't expect you don't get into a race like this unless you expect to win it. So I appreciate that and all of your other uh, uh, insights. Thanks for the time this morning. Thanks for having me, man. See ya. Right. There's J.D. Vance on AM 1420, The Answer. He's in the race. He's picking up some big-name conservative, 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 easy for me to say, endorsements. Uh, what does that mean in this race? What does it mean to you? We'll continue to talk about it as we go right after this. free whk mobile app and listen to your favorite whk programs or podcasts on the go it's free in your app store all right good stuff from jd vance that's going to be a very very interesting race all the way up until primary day no question about it let's uh, get a call in here before the top of the hour and the end of the broadcast uh georgianne is in willoughby hi georgianne you're on the air go right ahead Hi, Bob. Thank you for choosing my call this morning. Sure. Uh, what I wanted to talk about was uh, the season of Survivor, which uh, premiered last night. And I have never missed a season. It's been on for 20 years, but I won't be watching it anymore because they've become woke. Uh, one of the contestants last night said, um, uh, 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 Jeff Probst always says, come on, guys, come on in, guys. And one of the contestants says he didn't want uh, Jeff to say guys anymore oh and I goodness. thought oh my gosh so anyway this same guy the same contestant uh, he said his husband is uh, they have a child and his husband is also pregnant and I'm thinking anatomically how is this possible so I, I'm not watching it anymore I, I've had enough uh. um, and I've watched it every season they have diverse number of people on there and very interesting I love the show but I'm not going to watch it anymore well, good for you. It's kind of how I feel about a lot of shows uh, uh, mm-hmm. that are on and certainly about a lot of woke sports and everything else that I used to take mm-hmm. great enjoyment in. I can't do that, and here's the reason why. While you and I may just get a laugh at the absurdity of all of this, they are mm-hmm. teaching that that is real. Yeah. They're, they're actually yeah. teaching that that is science to, your, yeah. to our children. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, and thank you for the call, Georgianne. I don't know about you. I, I cannot abide by that. I cannot support that. And I will not give them my dollars or ratings points by watching that kind of nonsense. First of all, it repulses me and it disgusts me. And second of all, again, it's anti-science. We are the party of science. Make no mistake about that. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.